Father, so many willfully choose to be entertained and distracted so much by the entertainment of this world that the darkness continually sneaks and creeps in and destroys. May your people remain sober and vigilant in this evil day as we watch for you and not watch the world destroy itself while calling it entertainment. Deliver us from this evil in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to start off this episode by saying if you are waiting for your flesh to pray, to feel like praying, do not hold your breath. And if you do hold your breath, you will soon find yourself with a lack of spiritual oxygen, which may lead you to tune into such things like the Super Bowl halftime. I truly believe it's this prayer as I pray within the framework of the model prayer that I am truly delivered from such evil. Yesterday I posted, I just wanted you to know, Christ friends, that the Lord has the ball and the Super Bowl is already won. And this is all the Super Bowl I need. Why? Because it satisfies my heart and my soul. It causes me to cry out to the Lord and to seek Him in truth and in spirit, regardless of my flesh feels like it or not. I noticed that there was a Twitter post that went rather viral from a lady by the name of Shauna. And she posts a screenshot or does a quote reply to a Charlie Kirk. And Charlie Kirk is a young man of 28. He says the NFL is now the league of sexual anarchy. This halftime show should not be allowed on television. And then Shauna says at 28, Charlie Kirk is somehow the world's youngest and least hip boomer. Well, I quote replied Shauna with a single Bible verse, which is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. It's the word of God, my friends. God in America on Gab says, I couldn't bring myself to watch the game. The halftime shows are emblematic of the societal regression taking place, and no surprise, it was a degenerate disgrace. And I told God in America that I did not watch it because I did not care. But then again, here we see America first at its hypocritical finest. Christy, a Christ sister, said, Out of curiosity, I attempted to watch it. We haven't watched TV except for news, and it was so disgusting I had to turn it off. All that twerking and crotch-grabbing. I don't understand how people consider it to be entertainment. Well, my sister, it seems that this is the curiosity that always kills the cat. Because what you have said is not surprising to me at all. They are rather consistent as it pertains to their orgy, crotch, and boob grabbing. It's been this way for decades now. But meanwhile, Christians seem to find themselves being entertained by this 
Colosseum degeneracy. It sort of reminds me of the words from Maximus Decimus Meridius in Gladiator who said, Are you not entertained? Which I believe is a great title for today's episode number 45. Are you not entertained? Solid Rock on Gab says, I can't watch anti-God and anti-American garbage. It is bread and circuses at its finest. Peter Crosby says, The NFL is one of many ways the Antichrist gain a foothold on American culture. The more debased it is, the more the NFL promotes it. Ask yourself, who is running the NFL? And then you'll know why. The NBA went down the same road a couple of decades ago. Baseball is headed down this path as well. Pretty soon there will be no decent watchable sports. He says, can you imagine this being loud on TV in the 80s or before? Never mind on NFL. Jenna D says, I didn't watch it either. I have stopped watching pro sports altogether. I, I would rather watch kids having fun than millionaires on a field chasing that ball. And I agree, my sister. I, I too, honestly, would rather watch my kids run up and down the field with a football than the propaganda that's being spewed upon our culture in this day, this antichrist propaganda. Now, the Lord told us to watch, not to watch the antichrist Super Bowl, because while we're being distracted with godless entertainment, Christians are being labeled as domestic terrorists that are being produced in local churches. I came across another Twitter post by David French. He says, where are America's most dangerous political radicals? Rallying in churches by the thousands, in city after city, in church after church. He says the seeds for the next insurrection are being sown by the MAGA Christian nationalist right before our eyes. Now, obviously, this David French, who is currently in a turd status, because he surely is not in a kingdom status, he's an antichrist. He hasn't been to the soldier sanctuary. That is for sure. And I will pray that God will have mercy on his soul that may perhaps that one day he would see the light. But here, my friends, is the growing animosity for Christians that will lead to our faith being heavily tried. I do believe that persecution is near to America. It's coming, my friends. Is your faith a genuine faith that will endure to the end? Will you deny Christ? Five hooks on Gab says, we will suffer, but we will win. Amen, my brother, because we have already won in Christ. And then I read another Twitter post from Fox News with the title, this is Canada. It's supposed to be a free country where there's a bridge blockade that's being cleared out by police. And here we see an elderly man handcuffed as he is being arrested. And all I could say is I keep seeing these news articles increase more and more. And now do you understand why I say this truck protest could very well be just another J6 false flag event? It seems that these honeypots are becoming too convenient 
for political dissident roundups. I'm not going near them. And as long as entertainment is sought over righteousness, there is no hope. You can gather at the honey pots if you want, but if Christ isn't there, it is in vain. America went wrong when it began to put entertainment hirelings in the pulpit instead of preachers of the gospel. And this is why I believe catering to the unrepentant flesh reaps unrepentant destruction. I am not an entertainer of this flesh. I refuse to cater to this flesh. I am a provoker of the soul. This is why I'm convinced that the America First movement is the wrong answer. It's the wrong message, and it's the wrong posture. We're seeing this occur right on Gab right now. Christ First blessed that platform, while America First is wrecking it. This goes for not only a Gab platform, any social media platform. This goes for nations, to include India First, any nation first. A brother in Christ who is from India tagged me and said, hey, I need some assistance with this question. He says, what's the Western Christian position regarding visiting ancient temples as tourists? He says, since India has a lot of ancient temples, especially on top of hills during tours with friends hiking, etc., we usually visit those temples. Of course, I don't worship the idols there, but some groups of Christians here now claim even visiting those temples are sinful because we are just admiring how sinful our ancestors were and we shouldn't be purposefully in the presence of demons. I personally think it's not sinful as long as you don't worship them and we admire the craftsmanship of people 1,000 years back. So any thoughts on this? And I replied, I said, if it's a known idol of the land... And it's a place of idolatry. Even if your heart is right, it can be a stumbling block to other Christians. Therefore, I would not visit them. Because they are no doubt habitations of devils and demons. And they may not be able to destroy us, but they sure in literal hell will attempt to negotiate with us. Not to mention that we read in 1 John 5.21, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. This includes the idolatry of not only these temples, but of any nation. Job 12.23 in our reading today, He increaseth the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations and and straighteneth them again. And that is why I am a kingdom nationalist, period. A kingdom that will not be destroyed. You can hang on to your, your nations of death. But I'm sticking with the kingdom of God. Verse 24 through 25, He taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth and causeth them to wander in a wilderness where there is no way. They grope in the dark without light, and he maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. Why? Because their eyes are on a physical nation and not the spiritual nation of Christ known as the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God goes with us wherever we go. Whether we're in the wilderness, the desert, on the mountaintop, it does not matter. But I was honored to be asked this question from this brother in Christ. 
because I was also blessed to read on his profile that he just posted on December 12, 2021. He says, I got baptized and I had my first Holy Communion today and I will never forget this day. And he says, hashtag Christ is the way. This is what it's about. It's about Christ first. This is where our eyes ought to be. We don't need to be diverted by the entertainment of this world. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, submission to America first ideology rather than Christ first ideology is a negotiation with demons. It's just another American dinosaur temple of idolatry that the people want to keep visiting. Such as the Antichrist Super Bowl. Never negotiate with demons, period. We do not have time to be distracted by such godless entertainment and vanity. Let us make time for meaningful and kingdom-impacting activity, such as compassion. Rotten Granny had posted a little while ago concerning her husband, John. She says, John saw a person in the dark and very cold as he set up for work. He asked if they were okay, and she said no. She was not dressed enough for the 20-degree weather. He gave her a sandwich, orange, bottle of water, and a blanket from his lunch and emergency kit. She warmed up enough to leave. God puts us where he needs us, even in the path of, distressed homeless, of a distressed homeless woman. He was later questioned by a co-worker as to why he helped and the fact that he wasn't afraid. She says, you see, John struggled with compassion. But then the Lord opened his eyes and, and has given him many opportunities to help them, even if it is just a chat, and treating them as human beings that they are. Through this, the Lord also has helped John open the eyes of others who lacked compassion for many that have fallen on hard times now. We could all end up on hard times in the future. Leave the judgment to God and have a heart for the distressed. Now, I talked to John Yesterday, this brother in Christ, we talked on the phone and we discussed this very compassion. We discussed those who have shown us the same compassion decades ago and how it still resonates with us even today to the point that we talk about it. And it was just small acts of compassion that have, have impacted us so greatly, so greatly that we cannot forget these acts of love, and they have become very formative in our lives. And the greatest compassion being from Jesus Christ our Lord. We read about this compassion from a man named Joseph in Genesis 45 today. Joseph had compassion, even for his brothers who sold him unto slavery and for death. 45.15, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after this, his brethren talked with him. So we must understand this, my friends. We're not going to understand these things if we're continually distracted by the entertainment of this world. But we must understand that even when we are done wrong by someone, and it seems like they got away with it, we must remember the compassion that Joseph had for his brethren. Verse 4 through 5, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. 
And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. So guess what? There's a purpose for the injustice in your life. God is using this injustice to even save others' lives. Even if it's just the life of a soul for eternity, which is the greatest act of salvation and life-saving known to man. Guess what, anyways? Our sin did the same thing to the Lord. We may, we may be hard and judgmental on the brothers of Joseph, but guess what? Our sin has done the same thing, but yet the Lord has shown us compassion. And this is why I am certain of Christ. This is why I am certain of Christianity. As our compassion conversation continued, we also agreed that there is no other religion on this planet that has the compassion of genuine Christianity. No other religion. Show me one that is not hateful, envious, and bitter, and based on the faulty works and glory of man. It's this distinction of true Christianity that seals my certainty. Luke 1, four. that thou mayest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. This compassion and certainty will not allow me to condemn all Christians, even those who work for the religious establishment. I have met some very loyal and faithful Christ followers within these local church organizations, that I may not agree with every single doctrinal talking point they preach, but I do agree upon the Word of God, and I agree upon Jesus Christ. Here we see one of those re religious establishment men, whom God used greatly in verse 5 and 6. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest, named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And so if we decide to ignorantly condemn them, we just might miss the sober message of those like John the Baptist, who were related to these people of the establishment. Yet this same John the Baptist challenge the establishment at the same time. By the way, those who preach in the spirit of John the Baptist as he prepared the way of the Lord while preaching repentance are sober. Verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. I want us to notice a very peculiar statement in this same passage that I do not want to overlook, as many commentators have. As a matter of fact, many commentators barely touch this statement, which reads, And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now this is what I know, and here's my commentary. I received the gift of faith on October 31st, 1993, and I am a blessed member of the elect of Christ. 
However, prior to this day, the Lord saw fit to ensure that I was ministered unto until the day of my salvation. And I can pick out time after time as I reflect and understand this. I can't fully explain it other than the omniscience of God. He knew I would receive his gift of faith and began from the day I was born to protect me, even from myself, all the way to the point of my salvation as an 18-year-old kid in 1993. By the way, all mankind has been saved throughout history by God's gift of salvation called faith that I received in 1993. Now, this is a faith that releases many from a dumb spiritual state because we have many dumb that call themselves Christians. Verse 20, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak unto the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So here we have a, an establishment believer, a righteous man who had genuine faith, but yet he had a brain relapse. Who knows, maybe he was being entertained by something he ought not to be entertained by. And he did not believe the words of the Lord. And this made him dumb. But I will tell you this, my friends, he wasn't dumb to the fact of who Jesus was and is. And yes, I said Jesus because his name is Jesus. Verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Capital J-E-S-U-S. And if you condemn this name, you are a blasphemer. And you will never trust in the power of this holy name. You will never trust in verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. You will never trust 49 and 50, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. But you want to know who does trust these things? Do you want to know who understands the spiritual reality of who God is and what his name is? That is the Israel of God. And how do I know that the church is Israel? Because the church serves Christ. Because the church remembers his mercy. Verse 54, he hath hope in his servant Israel. In remembrance of his mercy. And we know that Antichrist Israel does not serve God. So let us watch upon these things, dear preacher. Let us watch upon these things, dear child of God. And I want you to know, my preacher friends, there is no higher calling on this planet than what we read in verse 76 through 79. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, 
whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then verse 80, And the child grew and waxed strong, and spirit was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. So your time may be in the desert right now, my friend, for molding, for shaping, and formation. I'll tell you this, it's not there for entertainment. But while you're in the desert, wait on the Lord. He will present your work before the church when you are ready. When it's for his glory and not yours. Now many will mock this. Many will mock this faith and call Christ a crutch while some of us are smart enough to actually agree without the mockery. Because we know that his salvation is forever our crutch in this broke down world. Job 12, 3 through 4, but I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these. I am as one mocked of his neighbor who calleth upon God. And he answereth them, the just upright man is laughed to scorn. We may be laughed at. We may walk with a crutch in the desert as we're laughed at and mocked as an entertainment spectacle. But at least we're not on the side of those laughing at God's people because we are on the side of compassion. And I will tell you this, I am not entertained. Psalm 45, my heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Give thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hateth wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes, and Cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in, in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thy ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyr shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her, her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in the raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. 
And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.